0: Sox fans, here
1: are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for this Hot Take Tuesday edition of the podcast. It's the first time we've done it on these platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Uh, As always, we're downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. A disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it How We See It. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, hit the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. Again, hot take Tuesday, Jason Kelly. Charlie Smith joining us for this episode. If you want to participate, uh, you can find the thread on our Twitter account at Bastards underscore Boston, or you can email the podcast at Bastards of Boston, all one word, Bastards of Boston at gmail.com. And we will read and react to your hot take as we're about to do with several other people. Um, so gonna be fun. Uh, we used to do this on YouTube, but decided to move it over to these platforms. So, Jason, Charlie, you guys ready?
0: I'm ready to go. Do Let's do this.
1: Do All right. A little early in the game uh, to be talking about this, but we'll take a quick stab at it. Flow Boss Theory on Twitter says to us: the Red Sox won't make. Any significant trades, they will, however, trade to slightly upgrade the bullpen or add a defensive center fielder. Any uh, any thoughts on what we might do? Or will we make a bigger acquisition, do you think?
0: So I actually agree with that. Um, I, because Kai and Bloom's your GM. So what do you expect him to do? Do you really think that this guy who has done nothing but try to stockpile young players and try to improve that farm system, do you think he's going to trade away a bunch of young players for a rental or, you know, a a veteran like that? The only way I could see us making a big move is if it's a veteran player who drastically improves your lineup or, or your rotation, who also has term left on his contract. I don't think Kyan Bloom is a rental kind of guy, um, at least not for this kind of team, which is, let's face it, kind of a fringe playoff team. You know, they're, they're not a top contender, they're not a World Series favorite, they're probably a wild card team. Um, so I, I just don't see him trading away young prospects to add anyone who you know could maybe get us a few more wins. I, I don't. I don't see that now. For a bullpen arm, sure, absolutely. I, I think he'll make deals to help the bullpen or maybe even uh, supplement the rotation a little bit. But as far as a big name player, no, I don't see that either.
2: I'm with Jason on this one. Five years ago, I would have said, "Yeah, sure, they'll go out and get Max Scherzer," but uh, we're five years too late on that party, and he's got no much. He's got no time left on that contract. Uh, we already know what Hyun Bloom is. He's someone who's going to be, you know. Penny pinching, not going out and spending big bucks on players. And let's be honest, the Red Sox are lucky to be where they are right now. They have a good team, but real talk, they are not the Dodgers or the Padres. And come August, September, I think you're going to see those teams right the ship and figure out whatever issues that they have. Red Sox still pound for pound cannot match up to those teams. So I, I don't see any major changes coming.
1: We do have some guys down on the farm. Anthony Bizzardo, who we mentioned in the last episode, uh, could come up. He could probably get you more than three outs when needed. And if we could just get a guy like Darwin's in to, to step up and be solid, maybe that's not an area that, that we're worried about. And honestly, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I agree with you guys. It's not going to be a big splash. If either Houck or Seabold come back from their elbow issues with no setbacks and, and and they're going to be good to go in the second half, I think that takes us out of the running for a starting pitcher as well. So um, if if fans are looking for a blockbuster move, I don't think this is the year for it, unfortunately. Beantown underscore Title Town on Twitter says... Xander, JD, and Rafi will all be in the MVP discussion if they keep playing the way that they are. So let's frame it this way. Let's let's take that take, and which one of the three is the most likely to either win the MVP or finish the highest out of those three players? Jason, who do you Devers. think? Oh, Devers, Charlie.
2: Oh yeah. I, I'm going to go. Sorry, Jason. I don't mean to jump the gun here, but I think Devers and it's, it's similar to something that we talked about on the show earlier. Um, this, this is, this is the guy who people are comparing to David Ortiz. And it's not just us. It's a lot of other people that are, that are, you know, comparing his makeup. Um, I give Devers the edge over Martinez because Devers isn't the DH. So he plays positions. Um, with Xander Bogarts, I don't expect Xander Bogarts to mash 30-plus home runs and hit 110 RBIs and and do the things that Rafi Devers is going to do. Xander Bogarts will have a higher batting average. There's no question there. But I think uh, for what you're getting and the fact that people typically don't want to give the MVPs to the, the older guys, the guys that have been around for a little while longer, they want to give it to the younger ones. Um, I, I think Devers has the edge here.
1: Jason, who do you think it'll be?
0: I actually think it'll be Bogarts. Um, This sort of reminds me of 06 when Ortiz got robbed of his MVP by Justin Morneau. Uh, Ortiz hit, I think, 54 bombs that year or something like that. I think Rafael Devers is on pace to have a really good power year, but I think Xander Bogarts will have the better body of work in general. I think that he'll walk more. I think he'll get on base more. I think his defense will be a little bit better. Um, they both play the field, but let's face it, Rafael Devers, every time he throws to first base, your heart is in your throat because it's jump, it's, you know, skipping in the dirt. And I think he's going to end up with more errors. I think Devers will hit more home runs, but I do think that Bogarts is on pace to have just an all around killer year. He's going to, you know, he's going to be tops of the league in batting average, maybe even top five. Um, he's going to get on base a lot. He's probably going to play more games than Devers. And, and, you know, they might be close by the end of the year, but I just feel like Bogarts is a little bit more durable. Um, I could see Devers coming up with some sort of injury and missing two, three weeks. Maybe, uh, I don't see that with, with Bogarts. So, uh, Devers will get more power, but I think Bogarts will have the better overall year. And I think Martinez just not playing in the field and, I do think he's going to slow down at some point. I don't think that this pace is going to keep up. Um, You know, the power will be there, but I could see his average dipping down below what Bogarts and Devers are going to do. So for that reason, I'm going with Xander. I think he's the most, uh, he's the most likely to do it.
1: I said at the start of the season that I expected Devers to lead the Red Sox in most of those major categories. That was my preseason prediction. Xander's off the charts right now, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, Let me throw this angle in there a little. With Martinez, DHS don't win MVPs. It just doesn't happen. There's a bias there. They just don't go for that. The, uh, the, The MLB writers, the Baseball Writers Association of America, I guess is who it is. And... Martinez has been playing the field, and Mate had an outfield assist today, gunned down Shohei Otani at the plate from pretty far out in left field, had a good arm, made a diving catch the other night. He's played, I don't know, six or eight games out there. What if he ends up playing 40 or 50 games overall in the outfield and then these numbers do keep up for the most part. Does 40 or 50 games in the field get him to an MVP?
2: Or do you need more? You're you're then comparing 40 to 50 games as someone who's got 150 games. I, I still think you got to give it to the position players, whether you go with Jason, which I completely see his standpoint. It's not wrong. It's very valid. Um, or, or if you're leaning with Devers, they're still going to be playing based on your guesstimate close to three times if not more games in the field and that is something that matters you can only do so much as a dh because david ortiz got robbed more than once and uh you know i, I think of the other year when i think a rod beat him out and we all know what A-Rod was, rod, a rod was broad a cheat cool. so um even if his, his level kind of declines a little bit, because let's be honest, what we saw so far has been through the roof. Um, I still give it to Devers and, to Jason's point, to, to Bogarts. Martinez is third in that list.
1: Well, his his offensive numbers would have to be off the charts. He would have to have kind of a historic year because other than that, I mean, the the question's completely invalid. But I, I was just trying to make a, an easier path for him. And if he's... If he ends up out there for 40 or 50 games, I just don't know if that makes it an easier case to make. But but like I says, he, he has to be off the charts regardless. Um, our good buddy – oh, no, I'm skipping one. Just Dingers on Twitter says Xander Bogarts is the best shortstop in MLB, and he happens to be right. Um, Trey Turner is second on that list, but Bogarts, uh, ties him in number of home runs at nine has six more RBIs than Turner, five more doubles. Bogarts has 13 on the season. And in fact, he leads the league, uh, leads the league in shortstops, I should say, um, with 13 and uh, appears to have the most hits as well, so he's leading in so many categories right now. And when you talk about him having you know the, the bigger MVP year over uh, Devers, Bogarts is hitting 344 right now with an on base percentage of 404. The on base percentage, I mean, how many guys at the end of the year are above that? I think just Mike Trout by the end of the year so um this is where jason made the case that it's more likely to be bogarts these numbers are are why so absolutely the best either yeah i
0: i would agree yeah i i think that you know guys like trevor story and bo bichette are going to have the bigger power numbers than Bogarts but he's just got everything he's got the defense to go along with it he does get on base you know at a much higher clip I think Trey Turner is pretty good at getting on base too but he doesn't you know I don't think the power numbers by the end of the year will match up I think Bogarts will pass him um I just think he's the best all-around shortstop in the game right now I'm not sure who else you could put up next to him, you know, and, and there's a lot of good shortstops right now. Like I mentioned, it's story, Bichette, Javi Baez is still hanging around. Like, you know, Willie Adamas in in Tampa Bay is making great strides, but I just think that Bogarts with the power, the ability to get on base, the defense, and just the fact that he can hit at like a high clip. I mean, he's probably going to have over 200 hits this year. I'm not sure any other shortstop in the major leagues is going to come close to that. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Barring injury,
2: uh, we're also forgetting, about know, Fern- Tatis Tates Jr. And that's that's the name that isn't getting a lot of love this year. But, I mean, he's had two-thirds the number of vet bats because of injury, and that's part of the game. He's had the same number of home runs as Sandra Bogarts. That's the thing. And they've scored, I think, the same amount of runs. The hits, obviously, Bogarts is leading by a long shot because his batting average is over 350. Um... I think Xander Bogarts is the best American League shortstop by far. Uh, A case can be made overall shortstop. I might still probably give the edge to Bogarts, but offensively, nope. Second best shortstop. uh, Fernando Tatis is is a better hitting shortstop than him. A little bit younger, too. Um, But the original question was, we have the best shortstop right now? Yeah. Right now, because of injury, yeah, we do.
1: Yeah, we absolutely do. Uh Next, our good buddy Zach Tabak. He had a few. I just went with uh, one of them. But he says, Phillips Valdez is the most underrated player on the Red Sox. I'll say with today's scoreless uh, performance, his ERA has dipped to 293.
0: Uh I'm not sure I'm willing to give him the title of most underrated. Uh, he's been surprisingly good. Um, we already saw Austin Bryce fall apart. He's a complete mess. He's probably done pretty soon. Uh, I was kind of expecting Valdez to fall apart as well. He hasn't so far. Um, and he's making peanuts. I mean, if you want to you know, bring it to money, Valdez is making, I think, nothing. You know, and, and I say nothing, you know, compared to everyone else on this team. Um, I still think for me, most underrated would be Hunter Renfro. And I wouldn't have said that the first couple of weeks of April, but he's brought the average back up to, I think he's around 230 now, 235. He's starting to hit for power and he plays a great right field. He's so good every time he's out in the outfield, he's great defensively, and you're paying him almost nothing. You're only paying him what three million. I mean, you're getting more out of Hunter Renfro than you know the Brewers are out of Jackie Bradley Jr., who made another catch that wasn't a home run. That you know everyone said was he robbed a home run. He really didn't. It was going to be a double if he didn't leap up unnecessarily like he always did here in Boston. But Renfro is just as good defensively as as Jackie was. I, I have no problem saying that. I think I've always said Bradley's overrated. He's getting paid $14 million out there in, in Milwaukee. You're paying Hunter Renfro $3 million. He's hitting for power. The average is going up. And he plays great defense. He's got a killer arm, too. I think he's the most underrated. Um, Valdez is close. I, I Zach makes a great point. Valdez has been really solid. But for me, Renfro plays almost every day. Um, I was not expecting him to play every day. I expect him to be a platoon guy at most. And he's proving to be a reliable, solid, everyday player for you know less than five million dollars. But can't go wrong with that.
2: I so I think a case can be made for either one. Um uh, beginning of the season, I would say absolutely not Hunter Renfro. But uh Zach brings up a good point uh with with uh Valdez. He's only pitched in 12 games this year. He's only had three blemishes. In the 12, and none of the blemishes have been absolutely devastating. He's one and he hasn't blown a game, he hasn't lost a game, he hasn't uh registered any holds, he's striking out one an inning. Uh his whip is under one, and he's getting be- better with time. I think Val, you know, both are doing better, but here's the thing Valdez was doing well in the cold and the hot. You're gonna see Hunter Renfro light up in the summer months um valdez has been doing well so far regardless of weather now i think once the summer months kick in i think that'll switch to renfro uh i do however think it will switch back to someone like valdez once it starts to get back to being cold again because balls fly out of fenway a little bit easier when the weather is a little bit nicer
1: I think with Renfro, and and it's fair to say he's underrated, but the announcers are all over it. When he has an outfield assist, you know, it gets raved about. You see the clips spread out all across social media. Valdez doesn't get a ton of credit at all. So um, he flies under the radar, and I, I guess I'm a little bit more sympathetic to him. For whatever reason, though, and we've covered this in previous sh- previous shows, uh, Alex Cora doesn't like to go to him too often. Um, he gave up one run on May sixth, another run on uh, May uh, excuse me April twenty fourth. So those are the the two last times he's given up runs, and we're we're coming up here on May twentieth. So he's been quietly very, uh, very kind of reliable, I guess, is the best word, out of the pen, even though it hasn't quite been in high leverage. So he's a guy I want to see more. And with Andres not pitching well and Ottavino walking the tightrope, I I think we might see him a little bit more. Uh, Jack on Twitter says, Chris Sale will be the setup man slash closer down the stretch. Says Jack on Twitter. So, Jason, go ahead.
0: Um, part of me doesn't hate this entirely, only because I also <laughs> I have not been of the I've not been of the idea that like Chris Sale's going to come back and be at the front of your rotation and give you you know six, seven innings, or even five, six innings every start from, like, August through the end of the year. I think that's incredibly optimistic and, quite frankly, very lofty. Um, And I think Chris Sale is one of those guys that he recognizes what the deal is, you know, and, and if the Red Sox are contending and the rotation is still going well, that's a big if. If the rotation is still intact, where it's Rodriguez at the front, Ivaldi figures his stuff out. It's Perez, Pavetta, you know, everyone's going good. Then I could see Chris Sale saying, you know what? You guys have had, you know, especially if if they're still having problems in the eighth inning by then, which hopefully they're not, right? Hopefully, if they're contending, they're not still searching for an eighth inning guy. But if they are, I could see Chris Sale going, you know what? I'm working my way back. The team's contending. If this is the best spot for me, I'll do it. I'll I'll be your eighth inning guy. I'll be like your your left-handed Garrett Whitlock, where every every couple of outings I'm going three or four innings. But then if you need me to just pitch one, I'll do one inning. I'll do one inning and a close game and a tight spot. I'll do it. Um so I don't I don't abhor the idea, but you know, ultimately if he can come back as a starter, that's what you want. Right. That's like Priority number one. Get him back, get him back in the rotation. That's where he's at his greatest value. But if he's not ready for that, if he can't pitch five, six innings and you're worried about his health. And again, if everything's going good, the rotation's going good, put him in the seventh eighth inning. You know, make him the next Garrett Whitlock. I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I'm
2: struggling with it. I mean, I know that we we had an issue with uh before the season started. Uh Native Aldi is a long reliever. I remember giving Terry garbage for that. Think this is so stupid. And we had a conversation about how much money you know we were gonna be investing into a reliever. Did Dodgers have how much money invested into David Price? I mean, we're paying for it too, but he's coming out of the bullpen for a lot of his appearances and whatnot. Uh I don't know if I like it. I, I think Chris Sale for the fact that he's a grinder, he's a gamer, he's Nothing short of hardcore. This guy's going to want to come out and pitch seven, eight, nine times to finish out the year. I'd be, I'd be pretty happy if he gets fifty-five, sixty innings of work for the season. You know, I don't, I don't expect him to not get thumped at least once. I got to say it again. I'm happy. Uh, I, it is what it is. I just think that it's not necessarily going to be the best use of Chris Sale if he's pitching. In the seventh or eighth inning, if he was to do a potential long relief every fourth day, I would be possibly maybe you could convince me of that. But I just feel like once Chris Sale comes back into the rotation, you got Sale, you got your boy Pavetta, uh, maybe Erod kind of figures it out. Martin Perez also. I mean, it could be decently formidable, not scary, but formidable. So I don't know if I love that one too much, but it's, it's, a, it's something to think about. Well, here's the problem. His
1: estimated time of arrival back at Fenway Park seems to be early July at this point. He's throwing off a mound, which also means he's throwing at high velocity. I don't know if it's max velocity, but he's throwing hard if he's on the mound. So if he was going to be In the bullpen, pitching down the stretch, that probably meant he had a setback or he came back and just was rusty and couldn't find it. That would be the scenario of which Chris Sale would just be pitching one inning a game. Um, So I just very much expect he's going to stay in the rotation either way. And Can you guys imagine the hype train a couple weeks out? chris sales finally coming back that's gonna be that's gonna be like a king returning to the palace like tons of hype tons of coverage a lot of anticipation so i don't i don't see him being utilized much differently david price with the red sox in 2017 was but his timetable was far later into the season so he just didn't have time to get ready and if you ask him, he did have time, but John Farrell wouldn't let him, and or whatever, whichever story you want to believe. But he pitched out of the bullpen that playoff. So um, Jack has an imagination, but uh, I, I think I think very much he'll be a starter. Uh, N face on Twitter says Danny Santana will be the Red Sox left fielder by June 15th, and Franchi Cordero
0: will be sent to Worcester. Jason. God, I hope so. I hope so. Um, At least with Danny Santana, he's still largely an unknown in a Red Sox uniform, but at least he's had a full season of good production at least once in his career. What the hell has Franchi Cordero done? He's been given up on by three different teams before coming here. Um, he came into the league as a shortstop. He sucked at shortstop. The Padres had to turn him into an outfielder. He never got it going. Um, at least Santana, like Santana has been kind of a versatile, all around the place kind of player with Minnesota and with Texas, but he showed off that he can hit at least for one year. Granted, it was a couple of years ago, but still. He had a full season of it. So I'll take the guy that has a full season of work to go off of and can play multiple positions than the guy who can only play the outfield, who looks like a joke out there every time he does, and can't hit. Literally looks like he can't hit, doesn't know how to play the game. So I'm all set. I'm all set with Cordero. Bring me Danny Santana, and if that doesn't work, then find a different alternative call up Jaron Duran or make a trade. I don't care what you do, but just, yeah. Once Santana's ready, he's got to be up here. He's got to be playing in Cordero's spot every day because uh, I can't do it with this guy anymore. I can't.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Jason on this one. This is something that I've been pretty vocal about with Branchy. Like, it's cute to see him get two two bases in a month. Yes, he had a couple doubles, but uh, it's... It's exhausting. It's exhausting watching him play. Um. It's not a fun feeling, too. I mean, when you go through one of those like one for 50 type stretches, man. Oh, my God. If there's ever a manager in Major League Baseball that someone says, oh, yeah, find me a manager that has a lot of faith in a hitter. I'd be like, would any other manager have that much faith in a player if they were one for 52? The answer is absolutely not. I cannot wait for this chapter of 2021 to be over. Santana,
1: we haven't really talked about his stats very much on here. Um, He hit 28 home runs in 2019. The most he ever hit prior to that one season with 28 was 7 his rookie year in 2014. The second highest he ever hit was four home runs in 2017 so he exploded in in 2019 the balls were as juiced as they ever were that season um so i i don't know really what to expect from him in the power department he is a career 260 hitter with a 299 uh, on base percentage so he's not going to draw a lot of walks is that an upgrade over franchi cordero though I think we can all agree it is. So um, he'll be the first one up. They'll definitely call him before Duran. I think it's going to be well before uh, June 15th, like the, like Enface uh, uh, says. And it uh, could conceivably be late this coming week or the week after. But I think uh, – and, and Franchi could go. He could be the odd man out when Kike's is ready too. So he, he might leave much sooner than that, hopefully. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, see with, with Danny Santana next is, uh, a hot take from basically our longest tenured listener that I'm aware of. And his name is Scott George. He asks, what can we get it in exchange for a Heim bloom trade? prospects probably a decent return he wants to trade hind bloom he he's he's his biggest hater the president of the fire hind bloom fan club
2: so anything <laughs> um well super thankful that you're uh, a, a regular listener um i'm all for it although i don't <laughs> think there are going to be too many takers on a deal for something that's just not not worth it uh i'm trying to remain as diplomatic as possible because i know i'm not a huge fan and people say ah oh, but the red Sox keep winning they keep doing great and whatnot it's like yeah they have been but am i going to be thinking i am bloom for this exclusively absolutely not the hitters still have to hit and the pitchers pitchers still have to pitch high and bloom is not on the mound, and he's not in the batter's box some of these guys are are doing some great work. Yes, some in part because of Bloom. But which ones of the players are making the biggest impact on the team? Pretty sure they were all here before Bloom. So maybe a bag of M&M's and chiclets with a six pack of beer. Like hopefully something good. I don't know. Jason,
0: so do you guys remember the Theo Epstein trade? Do you remember what we got for Theo Epstein? Oh God, here we go. Was it?
1: Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, do do you remember?
1: Um, the starting pitcher we had there. Um, he had a really good twenty twelve. I forget his name.
0: Well. So his name was Chris Carpenter. Oh, and no. It's not the Chris Carpenter that you're thinking of. Okay. It was not the guy who pitched really well for the Blue Jays and the Cardinals all those years. It was just kind of a middling guy who had had a decent year in 2012, but that was it. And then they swapped a bunch of low-level minor leaguers, and that was it. That's all the Red Sox got for Theo effing Epstein, a guy who brought a World Series here. So... If we're talking about trading Kyan Bloom, Kyan Bloom is a nobody compared to Theo Epstein. Um, he's, you know, I guess his report card so far here in 2021 is not a failing grade because the Red Sox are in first place and they're contending, and guys that he acquired, moves he's made, it's worked out. But that's really all you can say for him. And again, like, General manager trades, you in baseball it doesn't generally work out. Um, like I said, uh, the Theo Epstein trade, the Red Sox got basically a whole lot of nothing for that. So I think a kyan Bloom trade, they would get similar. They would just get sort of. I, I don't know what team would even want Kyle Bloom. I, I don't know what team would desperately want kyan Bloom so badly, but you would get a decent pitcher or a decent major league ready player and then you'd get just a bunch of low-level prospects it would actually probably look very similar to the cordero andrew andrew trade where you'd get a major league ready player supposedly although i think we can all agree now cordero is not a major league player but you get just a bunch of players to be named later that's it like you wouldn't get anything decent so it's probably not worth them looking into F- Felix Dubront was
1: the guy I was thinking of but obviously not the correct answer oh. um I, i'm not a heim bloom guy see the the audience i've mentioned the group chat before just kind of referred to it um, because that's where we kind of all collaborate and if they were to see that chat they would they would be surprised at how annoyed I get with Hein Bloom. I come on the podcast and I play it cool. Um, but not a big Bloom guy so far. That could change later on. You don't see me posting Fire Bloom hashtags on social media. I'm not that guy. But worst case scenario, if we miss the playoffs this year, and then we miss the playoffs in 2022. He's going to have at least all of 2023 before he does get fired. That's the earliest. So for all the haters of High Bloom out there, who I'm I'm somewhat sympathetic with, realistically, 2023, uh, he he'll he could get fired at the end of that. I don't think he will because I I just think the team's going to get better and better, and then people like me and Charlie. Will be forced to come around, um, but yeah, I'm not a big fan. The political innuendo of Heim Bloom is what drives me the most nuts. the The lack of transparency. Um, so, if anyone's wondering why, that's kind of what I get most annoyed with. So, um, I it would be a it would be a dumb return uh, to answer the question. When we, we had to trade for John Farrell, who, who obviously was a manager, but we traded Mike Avilas to get John Farrell uh, away from the Blue Jays. So, yeah, which I was all for at the time and then came to regret it uh, deeply. So, anyways, that will about do it uh, for this week's Hot Take Tuesday. If you want to participate next week, again, the email is bastards of Boston all one word bastards of Boston at gmail.com and hit us with it and you can also give us feedback uh, send us hate mail as well on that account whatever'll we'll we entertain anything so um, find us there and for the listening audience we will be back uh, to record on Thursday night uh, the regular show to cover the Blue Jay series and that'll be available early Friday morning. take care.